Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters. I'm Keith Poston with the Public School Forum of North Carolina. Thank you for joining us today. We actually have a very special episode this week. We are taping this program live in front of a huge audience here at the Eggs and Issues Breakfast 2018. We have a terrific panel discussion that we're gonna present to you right now. But let me introduce who our panelists are. We've got to my left, we've got Senator Valerie Fushi. Um, Senator Fushi is from, she's a Democrat representing Chatham and Orange Counties. We have, there you go, we've got Representative Craig Horn, Republican Chair of every education committee pretty much in the house of the North Carolina House. He's from Union County. Next to uh, Senator Fushi is Sefi Saidi. Sefi is the CEO and president of Sefi Engineering. And then finally to my far right, we have Lisa Godwin, the North Carolina Teacher of the Year. Our, so, so, so the Public School Forum released our top 10 education issues at this event this morning. And so we're gonna talk about some of those issues with our panel. The number one issue in the forum's top 10 education issues is the K-3 class size mandate. So I wanna start there by asking our two state legislators, what is going to happen with this critical issue that's having such an impact on children and educators? And of course, if a fix is coming, when? A fix is coming. Right. When? I wish I could tell you that it was going to be tomorrow or next week. I can't tell you that. I don't have any better of a crystal ball than anyone else, and I certainly don't have a magic wand. But I can tell you that we are actually truly working on a fix. We've got a group that's meeting, trying to gather the data. I want to point out just one brief thing. This is not a new issue. This issue didn't just come up two months ago. This issue has been an issue for actually decades. The problem is there's not a lot of data to inform the issue. A lot of good ideas, a lot of things that make sense, but if we are going to do what we love to call data-driven decisions, we do need, in fact, some data. We need to make sure we're all counting in the same manner. I realize that counting goes one, two, three, but different people count actually in different ways based on money, based on headcount, based on, on uh, a lot of different factors. But I do believe that the General Assembly will address the issue in sufficient time to allow the LEAs, principals, superintendents, county commissioners to make the adjustments necessary. Now you've been, uh, to your credit, I follow you on Twitter, you've been traveling a lot, you've been yeah. talking to districts. You, you acknowledge this is a real issue, right? I mean, this, this is a real issue. This is a problem, this is not, okay, you, you're, look, you're looking at data, but you're seeing it and hearing it with your own eye. And everywhere I go, I, by and large, I hear the same stories with regard to what, or what's going to be required of the individual LEAs. I want to make one more thing clear. I've not heard one member of the General Assembly tell me uh, that enhancement classes, a term I abhor, by the way, music, art, PE, are not enhancements. They are fundamental to a good education. hearing from no one that we want to dissolve or denigrate our ability to deliver all of the types of courses that are fundamental to a good education for everyone. Right. Senator Fushi. So I agree with everything that Representative Horner said, but I think um, just saying that the fix is coming 
um, is not enough because the fix should have come post haste. Um, I think what is clear is that this is an issue that affects every school district in the state. It affects every county's ability to fund schools adequately. And given where we are, this is January. Uh, my experience from being a school board member uh, reminds me that those budgets are usually forwarded to the county commission somewhere in May, and county commissions don't have the luxury that the state government has in terms of when its budget has to be approved. So understanding that it has to be approved by June 30, we need to make sure this is done, and not just to kick the can down the road, we need to provide a real fix so that things can be done correctly. Yeah. All right, I want to shift gears. Race, diversity, big issues. That's tough issues to talk about. Lisa Godwin, you're obviously an outstanding teacher. You've been recognized by the state as the teacher of the year. But we also know that 80% of North Carolina's public school teachers look like you. White and female, right? I mean, that's, those are just the facts. While more than 50% of our students are of color. Do you think that matters? Absolutely it does. Uh, research shows uh, that a third um, of students uh, that have a, a teacher that is of color um, are less likely to drop out and have uh, have discipline issues, and I mean it, it is a huge a huge issue that we need to address. And and I was hoping that this, the uh, fellowship, uh, the new teacher uh, fellowship, would have a historically black uh, community college or a university um, as the final five, but it did not happen that way. And so I would love to see our legislation. Um, come up with maybe another initiative that is specific to that focus um, and possibly make it uh, an extension um, of like the, the fellowship, teaching fellows program that's coming into play uh, this year. And you know, on a personal note, yes, it is beneficial to colors, uh, students of color to have people that look like them teaching them, but it's also very important for people like me to have teachers like that. I was blessed to have Miss McCoy as my second grade teacher. And uh, I was also blessed to have Miss McGugan as a third grade instructional assistant. Both were African-American women that were strong and mighty and taught me so much. So I benefited from them and I would love to see every child um, have that opportunity to have uh, teachers of diverse backgrounds. Other thoughts on, on just the issue of uh, diversity in our state? Well, I think it's clear um, that the research does show um, what we just heard from Lisa. But I think it's also um, incumbent upon us to make sure that students have role models um, that will lead them to believe that they have the same opportunities. If indeed your experiences are that what you see does not reflect your culture, does not reflect what you see every day, there's no reason for you to believe that one day this could be me. Right. Well, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. We are going to uh, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break because when we come back, we have a little longer segment. I want to talk about teacher pipeline, and then we're going to talk about school funding. So stick around. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Education Matters. We're going to continue with our great panel discussion about key education issues in North Carolina. And I want to start out by talking about uh, teacher pipeline. We've come a long way in the last few years on efforts to improve support for teachers and principals in the state. We have a new teaching fellows program that will hopefully help stem the state's decline in teacher enrollments. We've seen increases in teacher pay, and we're encouraged by efforts to bring up principal pay. But there are other issues we talked about in the top 10, the elimination of retiree benefits, uh, other factors that need to be addressed. Seppi, I want to ask you, as a business leader, first of all, you understand the importance of, of leaders and leadership, but you also understand what it means to try to attract employees. Uh, how do you think that translates to the education space? That's a very good question, and I think that what we need to do is to make teaching an important career. It has to be a culture that values teachers as much as it values engineers and doctors and lawyers. There is no career more important than teachers, because if it wasn't for us, I, mean, I, I would not have been able to be where I am if I didn't have good teachers. So um, my mother was a teacher. I grew up in Tehran, Iran. My grandmother was a school principal. Education was such an important part of the culture. And being a teacher was a respectable, valued career. And teacher's pay is really not where it needs to be. So for us in uh, engineering right now, we really have a hard time recruiting because there's not enough, uh, the workload is high. So our pays are going up and up and up and up. And uh, we don't, I think that the teacher's pay is crucial to recruiting and retaining top talent. If, when my daughter, uh, she's 26 year old, she graduated with a degree in psychology, her best friend graduated with a teaching certificate. She was making $10,000 more starting pay than her friend. And eventually, her friend Deb dropped out of teaching. So um, I think it's just very difficult to get the young people who are very interested and who are training our future leaders to be interested in teaching if we do not pay attention to the pay and the flexibility. There's, there has to be flexibility of hours they work. We could bring in um, retired people to support. There are a lot of fantastic retired people in many fields. They could come in and support teachers and um, to, I need to stop. <laughs> no, no, you're great. You're great but I, I'm passionate about that, yes. so it's important. You've been working on this. What else do we need to do? Fundamentals are, the, are obvious and have been mentioned. We need to raise average teacher pay. We need to raise based teacher pay. Now, I'm not one that believes in across the board raises. I believe that. There are folks that can do, that are willing to take on additional roles, and they should be properly compensated and incentivized to do so. I believe that we need to fundamentally overhaul our teacher preparation programs. By and large, we know we're fundamentally teaching, in my opinion, we're fundamentally preparing teachers the same way today as we were preparing teachers 30 years ago. Frankly, there might be some, there might be some deans of the schools of education I, I here that might disagree with you and, and I do understand that. I've been out visiting some of, the, of our teacher prep programs, and I'm, I plan to visit all of them. But we need to kick up significantly, I believe, improve our teacher education programs and 
as well as we need to take another look at how we do licensure and certification. I was interested to see last week we had a, a joint education oversight. We talked about licensure and certification here in North Carolina. That's fundamentally the same thing. But it's not the same thing in the engineering business. It's not the same thing in the, in the medical business. It's not the same thing as well in, even in law. I think that we need to make, I think, it seems to me, we should differentiate and, and use licensure and certification as motivators, incentivize, and reward for those people that reach a little further. As you may recall, we have implemented a, a pilots on advanced teaching roles to encourage those teachers that are willing to take on additional responsibility, that have the capacity. We know, and this relates to class size as well, we know that there are teachers that can handle larger classes than other teachers. It depends on the teacher, it depends on the class, it depends on the subject, it depends on lots of things. Again, we get back to, are we doing it the same way we've been doing it? And if so, we need to take a look at that and find a better way. Lisa, you talk to teachers, you're a teacher, you talk to teachers every day, you're traveling all over the state. Are our classrooms and our teachers just like they were 100 years ago? We hear that yeah. a lot. Not only yeah. I, I understand, <laughs> you didn't say that, but we've yeah. heard the industrial age that we're not we're doing everything the same way we used to. No, and I do. I, I feel like I need to go back to the point um, about the teacher preparation. I was at an event last night and was able to hear from UNC Chapel Hill, NC State, ECU. They are doing great things, and I applaud them for the teacher prep that they are, they are doing. The problem is uh, that we have put testing um, ahead of instruction. Sure. <laughs> and so that is what, is what I'm hearing when I go into classrooms. Teachers can't teach because they're too focused on the test. And that, it's not, you don't, do they feel respected as a professor? I mean, no, they, okay. they do not. They feel as if they, they don't matter. And there is a huge disconnect between what's happening in Raleigh and what's happening um, in Bertie County, in Robeson County, in Onslow County, in Lee County. Uh, you know, there, there is a vast difference. Charlotte, Neck, Wake, you know, the disparities are there and, and we're, not, we're not seeing it and we're not addressing it. Um, so, yeah, th things have definitely changed in 30 years, and I invite legislators to go into these schools uh, on any given day and just see what is going on. Talk to these teachers. All right, let's talk. Yes, ma'am. Just one thing. I think uh, we've said some, a lot of things about what teachers need and what teachers expect, but we haven't talked about the respect for the profession. And until we um, show that we respect the profession by incentivizing uh, with pay, uh, with some flexibility, and the ability to realize that at the end of your career, you will be afforded some health benefits. I think that's fundamental. Yeah, the elimination of retiree medical benefits we talked about in our top 10 yeah. is something that's Absolutely. not gotten as much attention as I'm, kind of surprises me. Uh, because it's a big deal. I mean, certainly folks are going sort of that, you, the trade-off is, okay, you may not make as much in the private sector, but you've got this pension, you've got retiring medical, so you think that's well, a problem. Well, I'll keep saying it. Okay, well, good, you keep saying it. Let's talk about school funding. It's a unique time in North Carolina when it comes to, we have a number of commissions and other stakeholders looking at how we fund our public schools. There's a task force, Representative Horn is involved in that, leading that effort. 
we believe at the public school forum that one of the most critical elements when considering a new funding formula is adequacy. Are we funding enough? And equity, that we have schools that are funded differently depending on where they are because of the differences in local funds versus state funds. Do you think that we need to address the issue of the, the gaps between, let's say, the more rural and the more urban centers? Of course. Of course I think that, that one of the, the whole idea behind our K-12 Finance Review Commission, a ta joint task force, and the, the, the painstaking process that we're, we are already undertaking, but we're at the front end of it, is to review how we distribute the funds available. We are, and you mentioned adequacy. Well, to a certain extent, as a committee chair, as a legislator, I am subject to, here's how much money I have to deal with. I gotta figure out, we've gotta figure out how do we distribute that. So I, right now we're dealing with the process of distribution. Are we distributing the money we have appropriately to the best of our ability? Is it getting results intended? We can and we will forever talk about adequacy. Forever. We're going to have to process. We've got to take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we will wrap up. We're going to talk a little bit more about funding, and then I do want to talk about school choice. Stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Education Matters. We're going to continue our great discussion. We appreciate our panelists that are here today and our audience in, uh, here at the Eggs and Issues Breakfast. I want to continue the conversation about school funding. Zephy, you had some comments on that. I um, want to uh, invite everybody to think differently about school funding. So, they, uh, of course, the state has to uh, adequately treat the funding of all of the schools. When we think about funding roads, everybody thinks that we need good roads. There's no question. When we think about funding school, everybody thinks, well, maybe we have adequate, is it not? There's a pause there. So I think that this, it should be a matter of, it, we don't have to think twice about school funding. It's that important. Also, I have seen in the, in the public university system, we seek many private sources of funding. There are alumni who do endowments and uh, many, many different and significant amount of money in the uh, university system in North Carolina. So I think we should also look at other sources of funding for schools. Why do we have to um, think about, why can't we think about, for example, the 
football stadiums uh, being named after an alumni that pays for the football stadium, that they don't have to pay. So we focus the funding on the teacher's pay, on the classroom, on the important subjects, and become creative. We always talk about disruptive technologies and everything else. I think we all need to be but more entrepreneurial. Yeah, be right? more entrepreneurial about funding. That would be That's what I would encourage. Point. All right, I'm gonna, I, wanted, I do want to talk, I want to make sure we have time to talk about school choice. This is actually school choice week, so there's a lot of, a lot of coverage around celebrating uh, private school vouchers, opportunity scholarships, charter schools, other options. There's also been, we, the public school forum, have raised concerns that there's not enough um, accountability and transparency. Uh, Representative Horn uh, mentioned that the House had tried to make yep. some changes. Where are you on the old notion of, is, are we looking enough at that investment? make sure that it's doing what we want it to do. Are we, are we doing enough? No, I'm sure we're not doing enough. I'm sure there are things that we're not looking at we should be looking at. I'm sure that we're probably looking at some things that probably really don't matter. No, we need to continue to be vigilant. Uh, I'm Accountability is a primary function of government hold people accountable for spending the taxpayer's dollar. I'm Mr. Everyman. I want to know what I'm getting for what I'm paying. It's not that people object necessarily to paying taxes. They may object to how much taxes they pay. What they really object to is their money's not being spent wisely. They're not getting their money's worth. Yes, that's the, one of the key roles of the legislature, is to hold people accountable for outcomes. And we need to continue to be diligent and aggressive in holding that. Senator, why can't we get there? We, I mean, obviously, didn't, um, we, there have been some efforts, but actually they're going in the opposite direction in terms of accountability. We can't get there because we have not decided that we want to put the uh, necessary investments in public education. I think that we talk about choice, and I'm not opposed to choice, but I am opposed to giving taxpayer dollars to entities that don't show that they are improving learning and achievement for our students. And I think when we talk about particularly virtual charters where the jury is not just out, there is no evidence that our students are benefiting from that for us to even consider lifting that as a pilot at this point, just I don't get it. And so I think at some point we have to realize that if the state is going to provide sound basic education for our children, then those investments have to go to strengthening public education. Lisa, what's it look like from the, from, from the classroom? What do teachers say when they see these other things popping up? Is it, um, is it a concern? Um, is it a challenge? The graphic that you guys used where it talked about you know, school funding and uh, they said, oh, if it's all the same, then why don't we trade? Yeah, there are so many times that I feel like teachers want to trade places with a, a charter school teacher because they have such a different environment than we do. Um, and, and please don't get me wrong, I am all for school choice. I'm a parent and I believe that parents know what's best for their children, whether it be homeschool or charter school or private school. But we all need to play by the same rules. And, you know, and it's very distressing when we see that there's flexibility in calendar um, and staffing and finance and curriculum um, in charter schools. Hey, how about, how, about but charter, we don't. how about charter flexibility for all public schools? <laughs> that's exactly right. That's innovative. That? That's what everybody's <laughs> saying that is going to take place in the innovative school district. Well, let's make that 
across the board in all districts. I don't understand. If it works, if it works, then why don't we give that opportunity to everyone? All right, we're gonna. I want to. We're getting. We're getting close to the end. I want to make sure everybody's. Looking I just ahead. want to say that Look. I filed a school calendar okay. flexibility bill every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and having snow days at the beginning of the year, and you want to know why you have to go to school on a certain day, it's because the, the legislature writes, they tell you exactly what day you have to start, when you have to finish. And uh, I want to go around. We've got a couple minutes left. Um, final thoughts. What should be our, what should we be thinking about as, as, our viewers, the public, um, our legislators, what should be top of mind when it comes to education? Sethi, I'll start with you. Um, so I would say that everything that was said earlier, I agree with the value of teachers, teachers pay flexibility, taking what works in charter schools and applying it to regular school, there is no difference. And what is important is that for us to be creative with funding, to make it a priority and make it um, known that being a teacher is the reason we're all sitting here. If we didn't have good teachers, we couldn't be doing anything that we're doing today, so that should be the top priority to fund, support, and make it being a teacher an important part of our society. Senator Fushin, 30 seconds. Um, the last graphic with the children in the sandbox uh, the legislators need to get in the sandbox and put them all together. <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem to be getting along pretty good. We do. Okay. And most of us do, not sufficiently. I don't think we do it frequently enough. Uh, we do need to work together much more. We are living in a very contentious society today, and we've got to just stop it. Just stop it. I'm, I am. Education is not Democrat, Republican, ble green, blue, black, or red. Education is our kids and our future. And we've got to set our vision, come together on vision, and then work out how we get to that vision instead of everybody going in a different direction. We can do it. We need your help. Keep the pressure up. Thank Don't you. ignore us. And as it should be, I'm going to the last word to a teacher, <laughs> Lisa Godwin. The public takes their cues from our state leaders. And until our state leaders start showing that priority is on education and valuing teachers and growing our children, our future leaders, um, then we're not going to get that respect in the public. So we're, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, make education a priority, please. Please. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause to our panel. Thank you for, uh, for watching the show today. And we'll see you next week.